Uh, testing. Aha! There. Can you hear me now? Okay. Okay. Now that we're all settled, let's pray. <laughs> Our dear Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. Uh, Lord, we come before your throne of grace again, and we thank you and praise you for everything you do for us, and, and we thank you for your salvation that you provided for us. And Lord, we... Uh, we just pray that you would uh, bless us as we sing and worship you. And uh, uh, as Lynn, Lynn presents, uh, presents your word to us, I uh, pray that we, it would be touching our hearts and minds and that we would learn your will. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Nothing but the blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardon, this I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this my plea, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. Let's try it again. There we are. So how's everybody doing? You're here. Yeah, we're good. Uh, okay. All right. Well, I guess it helps if I turn it right side up so we can read it, right? All right. So we're continuing on in our study on faith. And I gave you some things tonight. God strengthened me. I should say the examples to follow in faith, of, of faith. You know, as, as we look at this, we're going to be in Hebrews 11 uh, quite a bit tonight. But from the moment Adam and Eve were banished from the garden, we have to think about this. You know, his relationship with his children, God and his children, it, it all started to be not by sight because God would come to Adam and Eve in the garden. But it was, it was by sight initially, but now it had to all be by faith from there on out. And there's some individuals that live by faith and they're obedient to the faith. There's others that are not. 
And I think it's important that we remember in that obedience to God and our, our obedience to faith in God, having that faith in God, we face all kinds of things. We face ridicule. We face isolation. We face barrenness. We face other trials and tribulations in our life. But God is right there with us as long as we believe and have that faith and know in our hearts and minds that he's there with us. He gives us the strength. And that's when, much like Paul, he said, when we are weak, he is strong. So we, we got to keep that in mind. It's God's strength we're drawing on. It's not our own. And that's how faith ties into it. And we're going to see some of that tonight. So if you'd open your Bibles, your tablets, whatever you're using tonight, to Hebrews 11, verses 4 through 12. That's what we're going to read first. And if somebody, once you get there, just tell us which version you're reading from. I didn't give you the scriptures because it's lengthy. And I just want somebody to read it out loud for us. And... Um, then we'll move on from there. Four? Yes, 4 through 12. I'm reading from the NASB. Okay. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not was not found because God took him, took him up, for he obtained the witness that before he, his being, this is a tongue twister, that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. Ooh. And continue? Through, through 12. So there was a lot of by faiths in those passages. 
Do you think those individuals that were listed, do you think they face some real challenging situations? Yeah, absolutely. So I've got a question there. Can you think about a time when you tried to work through a challenging situation through your own strength? Any of you ever do that? I want you to put that thought in your mind of that situation and then look at the second part of that question. How does relying on God's strength help you build up, build up an unwavering and resilient faith? Compare in your mind, if you would, the time that you took and you tried to meet that challenge through your own strength versus you met a similar challenge or the exact same challenge and you used God and did it by faith rather than relying on your own strength. What was the difference? Say it one more time. I'm building cabinets at home. Okay. I've never done it before. And I prayed before I started. And I prayed Okay, <laughs> that's a good practical application right there, right? Right. What's another one? Warren? Financial challenges. Financial challenges? I've done it on my own and I've done it with God. God's way? Which way works better, Warren? Pardon? Which way works better? Okay. Tim, you had one? I was just going to say that uh, if you do it with God, it's less memorable because you don't have all of these glitches that people do. <laughs> things to remember later. It's like, oh, man, you know, if I'd only... It's just simpler. It's just okay. Smoother. So it's smoother, it's less combative, <laughs> and it's more practical, and you get a better outcome. So those are good. Those are good. Um, look at 2 Corinthians with me for a second, 12, 7 through 10. Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself. Now, we know that this is Paul again. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me so that I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weakness, weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How many of you take pleasure in your weaknesses and being insulted in hardships and persecution and difficulties? Okay. All right. God's not done with most of us. Yeah, we agree on that. So <clears throat> think about this. When God calls us to move through our life or God calls on us to move in life um, and we live by his power, not our power, we live because of faith and we rely on him as the anchor and Jesus is the anchor. What are some of the things that you think you're, you're, you're capable of that you wouldn't be capable of without him? Everything? 
ministry? If you're in the wrong ministry, not only are you miserable, but everybody around you is, and, you know, whatever you're doing. But if you wait until God actually says, I want you to do this, and the timing's right, it's totally different. Okay. I think that's a good example. Anybody got another one? No? Warren? Yeah. Sometimes stress and worry will do a lot of that. And and we don't realize it sometimes when it's happening. We think we're just trying to figure it. But see, here's here's the real issue. We're trying to figure out on our own how to make it work. Right? And it's much easier if we just place it in God's hand and say, God, tell me what to do. Now, sometimes it takes a little longer than we get impatient. We want to try to fix it. We've talked about that before. We've been talking about that in Bible study with Abram and, and Sarai and, you know, that situation. But it's, it's one of those things where when we try to run ahead of God, we usually mess it up. And sometimes we don't see that end result. Or, or I shouldn't, shouldn't say we don't see the end result. We may not see the grand scheme of the end result for years to come. How bad we really messed it up. Um, in Hebrews eleven seventeen through 31, I've written out just certain passages. And then I've got there in a separate column, the act of faith. Let's read those passages together. And if we don't get through this tonight, that's fine. Because I, I put all this together and I'm not sure if it's going to be one session or two sessions or one and a half or what. I'm not so much worried about getting through it all. I'm more worried about us up. up taking some of these things and putting them into practical application in our lives. So let's read 17, 18, and 19. And then I want you guys to identify the act of faith that takes place in those verses for me. Okay? So who's going to read 17 through 19? You got it? Yeah. Tara, go ahead. I'm reading from the NLT. Okay, New Living Translation. So how would you identify or how would you define his act of faith? Tim? I think it's a remarkable act of faith because there's no way that in his human head he can figure out how this is going to happen. But he knows from his prior experience with God that there's a lot of stuff that he hasn't been able to figure out. He's just going to have to going to have to trust God with that. Okay. So what, we all know, but it's, it's obvious, but what was he willing to sacrifice? The one that was promised to him, right? 
and we all, we all, those of us that are sitting here and probably those that are listening online too, understand the parallel of his one and only son and the one he'd been waiting for all those years and he was willing to sacrifice him because God told him to. He was obedient even unto death. Think about that for a second. Okay. Verse 20. Somebody got that one? What was the act of faith? Pretty short to the point. Okay, but but he believed, right? He believed. How often do we struggle with just simply believing? I mean, we can read it, we can talk about it, we can study it. We can preach on it, we can teach on it, and still we struggle, right? Lifelong pursuit. You're right. How about 21? New century, NCV, okay. See, it's interesting to me. I can't tell you guys something. It's, it's funny, but it's not funny. When Pastor Jay first started getting sick, and some of you knew it, some of you didn't, but he was starting to use different translations at different times. And I, and I told him, I said, you know, I like using the translations that fit what I'm trying to get across, the, what I'm trying to do with my application. And he says, I understand that. And he said, that's not a problem with me, but you may hear some grumbling and murmuring from the people. And when he died and got to go to heaven, bless his soul, I started using a lot of different translations. And for probably about three months, probably not two weeks would go by and somebody didn't grumble to me about using different translations. <laughs> but now I hear all you guys reading different translations, which is, it's, it's better for me because it makes me understand you're reading to understand. You're reading a translation that you get more out of. And I've talked to two or three people and they will swap translations. They'll go through one translation one week and they'll go through another translation next so that they get more variety and more understanding and more clarity. So I, I think that's great. I love it. Um, so what did, what was, there was two acts of faith in that one. Did you catch the last one? He worshiped God. When we worship God, that's also one of our acts of faith. Okay, how about 20, what was that, 21 or 22? Okay, 22 is next. So by faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instruction 
was the act of faith there, you think? He's given he's given instruction. Yeah, they're they're getting ready to get up and move and he's telling them what he expects, right? He's he's talking to that next generation, and we're going to define this further in a minute, but he's 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 talking to the next generation. And he's as he's giving them those instructions, no doubt he's going to give them more than just simple instructions. Okay? Twenty three? Okay, English Standard Version. All right, so what was the act of faith there? Pull it apart and think about it for a second. They weren't afraid. They weren't afraid. They did not fear the king's edicts, right? They were willing to protect that child. Some versions don't just say he's beautiful. They say he's special, he's called out. There's something different about him. Yeah. So we have to we have to put that in. Sometimes when you're when you're looking and you're and you're looking for a key component in a particular verse or verses, you have to really think across what that's saying. It's just like I said Sunday. You know, it's it's so much more than a land of just milk and honey because if you have the milk you have to have this and this and this. And if you have the honey you have to have that and that and that. It's 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 much more and so many people just read it on the topical level. And we don't think about the depth of what we're reading sometimes and what it's really saying in the big picture. Okay, how about 24 through 26? Somebody got that one for us? Warren, go ahead. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the So what would you consider the act of faith there? Leaving wealth and where he had it made. Okay. And going to his people. Okay. But there was a key word that Warren used. Single word. Say it again, Larry. Mm, not that one. Suffering. 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 Who was Christ? He was a suffering servant. See, that's why I say sometimes we have to we have to sort of finagle, if you would, what the real aspect of the verse is saying in regard to how it affects not only us, but how Christ gave himself for us and the rest of the world. Okay, how about twenty seven? Yeah, he was going. Yeah. 
He wasn't afraid of what the king said, but he, the real instance of faith there was he went forward in spite of everything. He was willing to move forward no matter what. Okay, 28. Will you read that one? What's the, what's the faith action there? The sprinkling of the blood. He was he was following through with what they had been taught, the ceremony, and the ritualistic part of it. But he also did it because he believed that was going to take and cover them and protect them. Okay, last one twenty nine thirty one through thirty one. Okay. So in in a culmination of all those things, if you could think of one word that by faith every single one of those individuals described did, what would it be? Action. Okay. They trusted. That's the word I was looking for. They trusted. They trusted God. They trusted what they knew and understood, and they acted on it. What would Christian churches be like today if every single person sitting in a Christian church on Sunday morning would do that? Can you imagine the impact we could actually have on the world? But yet, and I'm not judging or condemning, I'm just stating a apparent fact. We can have 135 to 150 people here on a Sunday morning, and here we have a couple of dozen up to maybe 30 on a Wednesday night. See, that's, there, there's, there's a missing component. And it's not this way, I mean, it is this way. It's not just this way here. It's this way everywhere. And it's across denominational lines. I, I talk to an Assembly of God pastor every once in a while. I talk to two or three pastors in the association at different churches in different areas of town. And, and we're all struggling with the same issues. And it's like, how do we change it? You know, and everybody's got ideas and everybody's trying different things, but what works and what doesn't work? I'm going to say something and I'm going to precursor it with this. It's coming more and more that fluff and stuff is what attracts people. Fluff and stuff. Or as I recently heard one church described as a cotton candy Christianity. 
I, you know, just a thought. Um, but that's 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 a problematic, you know. For a lot of the guys that want to preach and teach the Word of God and try to stay in it as close as possible, the way they've been taught and trained, they feel strongly about not deviating from it, but yet they can't grow their congregations past a certain point. Um, I need someone to read, if you would, Hebrews uh, eleven thirty-two through 38. Kathy, go ahead. Read loud. So we know that those individuals that were described, they were considered heroes of the faith. Were they perfect? Yeah. Were they, um, were their lives easy? They all realized one thing, right? They needed a rescuer. They needed a redeemer. And that's why they leaned on God. And I think a lot of people, as they come to the realization of the fact that they can't do it on their own, and they under, start understanding what real faith is, then they start to put that faith in somebody else other than themselves. Because let's face it, before we accept Christ as our Savior, our faith is usually only in ourselves, And that is the problem. We get in our own way. Somebody said it last week. We tend to get in our own way and we have to get out of our own way and allow Christ to step in and be the leader. And then when that happens, then we can learn what faith is really all about. But it's a process, yes? Okay. Um, John sixteen thirty three says, I have told you these things so that in me, Christ is speaking, you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. There it is. You will have suffering in this world. Does Jesus ever pull any punches with us? He tells us from the get-go, right? Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Now listen, you're still going to have troubles. You're still going to have trials. And I said it the other day. If, if somebody comes to you and tells you, or you witness to somebody and tell them, once you accept Jesus, everything's going to be hunky-dory, they're lying. 
you know, don't believe them. Um, our faith will take us where our sight can't when we trust the will of God. That's an absolute truth. Faith will take you places that our sight will never take us and can never take us because it's a different mindset. Psalms 37, 23, 4 and 24 says, The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. And I think that's what a lot of us lean on. Those that try to maintain that ongoing relationship constant with God lean on that, those type of verses to remind us that it's not so much about us. It's about Christ in our lives and him working through us. We're going to talk about promises for a second. You know, I, I, I try not to break my promises, right? I imagine you guys do the same. But, of course, there's times when we do. Um, have any of you ever overcommitted yourself? Yeah. Um, have you ever experienced where someone has overcommitted themselves to you or broke a promise to you? And when that happens, does it feel good? When somebody breaks a promise to you? No. Promises are often misused. I think a lot of times in the world today, we have lost the understanding of what a promise really means. And because of that, we've lost the integrity and the weightiness of the promise. So with that in mind, I got a couple of questions here. It says, reflect on the last promise you broke. Think about the last promise you made somebody. I mean, you, you promised, I will do this. Or I will take care of this. And they broke it. Without a doubt, they broke it. All right? That's the last promise you broke. Now think of one that somebody broke to you. How did it make you feel? Anybody want to share? Kim? So it sort of devalues you. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Warren? Okay. That was my next question. How does it affect your relationship with them? And one of the ways is trust, right? You're sort of on your guard after that. How else does it affect a relationship? Nobody? Other ideas? Yeah, Mitch. Okay. Okay, so you distance yourself from them? Yeah, okay. Okay. 
Right. Okay. Okay. So it, it affects it affects the trust. It affects your thought of dependability and reliability. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Yeah, honor. You question their honor. You question their dependability. You question their trust. You question their reliability, their dependability. So broken promises can really instill in us a bad taste in our mouth, if you would, towards those individuals. But... Let's let's take and turn the corner here a little bit. What about God's promises to us? Let's take it off of other people and put it on God. Consider God's promises and his nature. Somebody read Genesis 12, 12, 2 and 3 for us. Genesis 12, 2 and 3. It's on your sheets. I mean, the verse is not on your sheets. The reference is on your sheets. It's not? Oh, okay. Should be. Sorry. 12, 2, and 3. Okay. New living. Okay. God promises to bless Abraham right there. Okay? In 12, 2, and 3. How about John 8, 56? Somebody got that one? Okay. Again, more blessing. How about Romans 8, 28? You guys got that one? We know that in everything God works for good to those who love him. They are the people called because that was his plan. Okay. What do you think the blessing is there? The promise is there. Everything's going to work out okay. You, rem- you, remember what, you remember what Billy Graham said one time? He said, I've read the end of the book. It's all going to be all right for us as Christians. It's, it's something where we have to have the intestinal fortitude and tenacity to say, I believe, like Dr. J used to say, I believe that I believe that I believe. And you can't just believe part of it. You have to believe all of it. And sometimes that is a challenge. I understand that because we all struggle with it. But we have to know it, and not only in our head, and I've said this before, there's a, there's a lot of people that have all kind of head knowledge. They're way smarter than I am, way smarter than all of us put together, but they're missing heaven by 18 inches because they don't have the heart knowledge. You've got to have both. 
You've got to be willing to accept both. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Who's got that one? Is this on your sheets? Yeah. Okay. I just missed one when I printed it out, I guess. What's the what's 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 the promise? Comfort. Man, that that's a blessing to me. I need all of God's comfort I can get. Because I live in an uncomfortable world. I don't know about you guys. How about Second Corinthians five seventeen? The promise there? New life. When you became a Christian, did you get a new life? See, it, it amazes me. Occasionally I'll talk to somebody and they'll say, when I became a Christian, I didn't change much. And really? Well, how were you before? And, and then if I can get them to really tell me, I want to dig and find out if they really changed. Changed? Or they just didn't think they changed. Because if it didn't change, then I want to know, did you really accept Jesus? Because it should be a life-changing experience. And if it's not, then I question if you really made that commitment. And then how, how much have you grown since you've made that commitment? Because it's not about just saying, you know, I accept Christ as my Savior. It's about... What are you doing with that after the fact? And I think that's where we lose some people. Not just here, but everywhere. Okay. Fire insurance that they don't really have to submit. Yeah, and, and occasionally I see that. Yeah. Um, how about Ephesians 1 3? The promise is a spiritual blessing, right? I don't know about you guys, but I need every spiritual blessing. Uh, Philippians 1.6. Sure Listen, if you've committed your life to Christ, he's going to finish what he started. He promises us that. These are just a few of the promises. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Powerful. That's one of my favorite What's the promise? Peace. Listen, if you have peace with God, you will have the peace of God. There are so many people out there that are so disturbed and so distraught and so wound up. I met a guy the other day. He was wound up tied on an eight-day clock, man. 
And it was just, I just, I'm, I'm trying to talk to him and I ask him a question. I'm standing in Home Depot talking to this guy and he's like, and it's like, are you okay? You know, I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm, and I said, does this happen often? He says, I'm always like this, you know, okay. So, and, and I just tried to carry on a conversation, you know, trying to help him find something because he couldn't find it. And I, and I, I said, let me get somebody that works here to help you because I'm like, but there's some of those individuals out there, they're so wound up because they don't have the peace of God because they don't have the peace with God. And if you don't have that initial peace with God, you're probably never going to have peace. The least little thing will stir you up. It's just like this guy that was looking for a part and just was losing his cool. All right, last one, three verses, Matthew 6.33, Philippians 4.19, and Matthew 6.26. And this one's important for us to remember. These things will be added unto you. Philippians 4.19. Okay, Matthew six twenty six. Look at the birds; they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? So, what's what's the promise? He's faithful. He's faithful. Provision. He supplies all our needs. Now, does it say he's going to supply all our wants? Does it say he's going to supply all our desires? No, it says he's going to supply all our needs. Who knows better what we really need than Jesus? Sometimes we have what we think are our needs, and he says, no. It's not what you need. That may be what you want or what you think you desire, but that's not what you need. So we'll read this last statement and we'll stop right here for tonight. What did these promises teach you about God? Anybody? He's got her back. Tim? He's consistent. He always will come through. His, his side of the bargain is just solid and you can take it to the bank. Rely on it. All right. He's consistent. He's always going to be there. Warren? Uh, faithful and trustworthy. Good words. All of these promises were made through faith. But all these individuals did not receive what was promised. God actually provided something better. So let's sing, uh, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. 
as thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their Forces above, join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Amen. Let's pray. Our dear Father, uh, we just thank you for this evening, Lord. We, uh, uh, we just pray that you would go with us as we go our separate ways and uh, uh, help us to uh, be, a, be a light in the world and uh, love, love people. <laughs> and uh, just the, the way this church loves people is just amazing, Lord. I just thank you for that. And Lord, we thank you for uh, learning your word this evening and uh, just uh, bless us as we go on our way. In your name we pray. Amen.